Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. So today on the LiveHealthy.ae podcast, we have Akanksha Tangri, and I'm going to list just a few of her um, accomplishments, and it's going to take a long time, but I'm going to try to do it quickly. So Akanksha uh, is founder of Reset, which is a series of dialogues addressing the most pressing subjects, deep subjects of our time. Um, she, it, that is now in its second year. Um, she attended journalism at University of Toronto, South Asian Studies and International Affairs at Columbia University. She worked at CBC, which I grew up watching in Canada, the National, their flagship program, then moved over to CNN in New York, uh, worked on Fareed Zakaria's Public Square. She worked for Vice and did some incredible interviews there. Anthony Bourdain, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau and tons of work on the Indian political system. And this year she was named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list in the Middle East. And um, what does that feel like, Akanksha? Get, being on a list like that, is that, can you even register that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very surreal. I'm so incredibly grateful because the people on the list are so accomplished and they're changing the world and it just it's a very surreal feeling for me um, because my team and I have put in a lot of hard work into building reset into telling the stories that we share with the world and just to have that recognized I think it's it's amazing. Like I honestly, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just a great feeling, but it also adds a lot of pressure because now it's like, okay, what next? Of course. Yeah. And you're probably a what next person. Now yeah. I, as a, I've been a journalist for 25 years and I feel like the natural progression in journalism is over. It's taken me a lot longer to get to where you're sort of telling stories within the system of journalism. And then you get to a point where you're like, it's a little bit restrictive. Was it like that for you? Or did you, what made you go from like this sort of, I mean, vice isn't traditional by any means, but what made you go from vice to saying, I want to do my own thing? I think there were uh, a combination of things. The first was I was living away from home for a really long time and I didn't get to see my family that often. So part of the reason for me to move back to Dubai was because my parents were here and Dubai is also the perfect city to uh, live in because it is a combination of the East and the West. It offers you everything you need and I just missed home. And the other uh, important reason was also because every time I would come back to Dubai, I would talk to people, you know, the natural journalistic curiosity to just talk to people about what's happening. And I noticed that everybody's talking about mental health and everybody's talking about inclusion, but they're barely scratching the surface. Nobody was actually going deep into the challenges and the opportunities that are available to make a change in the country. and 
including in countries like India, which is a big focus for us as well, where there is so much stigma and so much taboo around these topics. So part of the reason for me moving back also spurred from that need for me to do something about uh, these very incredibly important issues that uh, are in our society today. And how did you decide to, how did you decide to put it all together? Like how did, you know, when you, you get that idea, how did you go from there to executing it to what it is now? Honestly, it was just sitting in front of my computer a lot. And uh, I was also very fortunate that I had incredible mentors that I could turn to and pick their brains about how they've uh, started their entrepreneurial journeys or how they've reached where they are in the newsroom. So it was picking people's brains a lot. It was just sometimes, you know, sitting with my brother and be like, okay, teach me how to make a business plan because he's already an entrepreneur and years ahead of me. So I would just say, okay, now how do I do this? What documents do I need? Even the most basic things. I just, I have no hesitation in asking for help especially okay. when I don't know something. So I think that worked in my favor because I just, you know, I'm a journalist. I will ask questions. So especially if I don't know something, I want to know how to do it. So it was just a lot of asking people questions. Uh, I'm, I love making lists. So making a list of everything I need to do and then, you know, checking it off the, uh, my list and saying, okay, this is done. Now I need to do this. I had no idea about how to build a website or any of like the back end stuff uh, that's needed. It was simply watching YouTube videos, sitting with the website developers and just showing up to their office and saying like, okay, this is everything I need. I'm just going to sit here until this is sorted. So it was a lot of just bugging people <laughs> to teach me and then um, going from there. Now, I was curious, you said that um, you grew up in a house where you talked about tough subjects. You, it was welcomed in your house. Can you tell me what that was like? Like how your parents fostered that? I think it was just seeing my parents have that conversation with each other about a subject in front of us or even with us. I remember uh, my father asking my opinion about world events. We had this habit of watching uh, BBC News together every evening. And um, there was never a, like a, I was never shushed when I asked something, whether it's about work or whether it's about what's happening in the world. They had age appropriate conversations with us and it helps that they're both in education. So they do know how to uh, tackle children and the growing curiosity that comes. And since I was in grade one, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. And I had told my parents and they encouraged me. They ensure I had everything I needed to pursue my passion, whether it was providing me with books or, um, you know, answering any questions I had about world events or even helping me dissect world news. They really fostered that. And in a lot of South Asian societies, uh, there's this, you know, you should be a doctor, lawyer, engineer kind of thing. But in my house, it was do what you want, be very passionate about what you want to do and do it. So I said journalism, there was no, um, you know, questions asked. They said, okay, are you sure that's what you want to do? Great, go ahead and pursue it. And even now I can talk to my parents about anything, whether it's dating, whether it's work, anything under the sun, uh, they're going to answer it and they're going to, you know, share their honest, frank opinions. And I think that's the way it should be because I then don't have to turn to external forces, even as a child, 
or you know feel that I'm asking something that's incorrect because I'm being shushed as a child, which I think has a huge impact on self-esteem. You must have a hard time with small talk. Oh yeah, absolutely. What absolutely. I small I'm a very I'm an introvert actually. So with small talk, I just get very panicky and I'm like, okay, great, you're doing well. I'm also doing well. Now what? So do you find it tiring to you when you're in a situation? Yeah. 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 Only because I tend to overthink and be like, okay, am I supposed to say something? Is this going to be awkward? Because I um yeah, I am an introvert, so it just I think that uh, goes against me. But that's so interesting because this is what we're learning about introverts. You would think that would mean that you wouldn't have done any of the stuff that you've done. And even journalism, you would think would be an extroverted profession. But an introvert isn't necessarily someone who just stays at home. What do you, what do you think an introvert means to you, like, since you realized that about yourself? I think... And I've talked to a lot of my uh, journalism friends and we're all introverts. We've come to realize that, but we use journalism as like our safety blanket to hide behind and be able to ask the questions that we otherwise possibly couldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a very shy child growing up. I would be behind a book. I would, you know, my parents sort of had to encourage me and they're like, please go play with other people. Please just leave that book and go socialize. Uh, which even now, um, my friends will say, can you just come out and have fun? And uh, I'll do that one week and I'm like, okay, it's sorted for the next like three weeks. I don't have to socialize now. So I think uh, that's what it is. But with age, I have uh, become better. I, I prefer one-on-one interactions instead of huge group settings because I'm more comfortable that way. But I am pushing myself to be um, more social, I guess. So when you said you didn't, you know, mental health is a good, t- it's a buzzword, a buzz phrase right now. Everyone's talking about it. But you felt that back one of the reasons to launch reset was that people weren't talking about it in depth and and you wanted to change that weight so how did you go about that and and what sort of what what is what do you see as wrong with the way people are discussing mental health that's that's too surface i'll give you one example you say someone is suffering from a mental health problem or a mental health issue at reset we say someone is facing a mental health challenge you see, you know, the impact just changing two words can make to how a person perceives what they're going through. It's, you know, language is such a key part and can have such a huge impact on someone if whether that's in reporting or it's just a face-to-face conversation. There was that lack of nuance when it came to tackling mental health, when it came to tackling inclusion or, you know, gender-based challenges. And that's what we wanted to change at Reset, especially in places where there is so much stigma or forget stigma, there's a lack of understanding. If you tell some, you know, if you tell many parents, oh, your child needs to see a therapist, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with my child. Why would you say that? Right? Mental health and seeking support is not a bad thing. I believe everyone should go see a therapist, regardless of whether you have a mental health challenge, quote unquote, or not. It works in your benefit. It gives you the support, the coping tools you need to survive day-to-day life, especially during a pandemic when there's so much stacked against us. 
So a lot of people can't afford this. You know, it is hundreds of dollars, hundreds of durhams for a session, sometimes 600, 800 durhams, right? A plus. Um, but there is so much mental health help out there. There is a lot of free stuff, but what's your perspective on that? How, how do you sort of, sort of tell people to dive into that? Because there's stuff on Instagram, there's websites, but people I think maybe need to be cautious. Yeah, so in the UAE, there are a lot of clinics have mental health support groups, which are free of cost. The German Neuroscience Center is one such. They have on anxiety, depression, migraine headaches. They have it for teenagers, especially, as well, which are free of cost. Uh, I think all the information is available on their website. We point people to the German Neuroscience Center quite a bit and to the free resources that are available. The Lighthouse also has support groups that you can look at. Um, there are other clinics that also do as well, especially now with COVID. There are a lot of uh, Zoom sessions that are happening that people can join uh, to either, either understand coping tools or strategies or just to be able to share what they're going through. Here at Reset, we host Reset Dialogues as well, where we aim to foster a safe space to have conversations that are either difficult or you know often stigmatized. We bring together either experts or people with lived experiences to tell their stories and we encourage dialogue and people to share their journey as well. So there's that, um, you know, we talk about male mental health, we talk about PCOS and um, the physical manifestations and the ma mental manifestations of that. We Poly talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yep. Yeah. And we've talked about giving birth during COVID. Um, we spoke to an incredible woman who had lost both her mom and her husband in a short span of time and how she uh, rediscovered joy and started, uh, and she's just had a newborn kid and it's just such a beautiful story. So obviously there's reset as well. And then on our, on our website, we provide, and on our Instagram, we provide a lot of resources and coping tools from our team of experts that people can turn to. Have you picked up anything yourself, like to help yourself through things when you, through these sessions? Like, are there any nuggets you can share from that? Yeah, I think for me, it's a lot. Uh, we did one with uh, influential uh, entrepreneurs in India and the UAE, where we talked about the quest for perfection and learning to let go. And that one really resonated with me because as you can tell, <laughs> I like to be on top of things. So for me, uh, just learning to let go if something on my to-do list isn't done and not beating myself over it. I think that's been um, a huge learning curve for me. And just hearing the experiences of other people, other entrepreneurs who are in the same boat and how they're going through the changes that COVID has brought upon us or uh, you know, how they're restructuring, restructuring their businesses has been uh, of great help. Also, uh, because I spend a lot of time on social media for work, I tend to feel guilty about uh, my food consumption because on social media, you'll see everyone eating the most healthy of things and perfect bodies and all of that. So when I go on social media and I've just eaten pizza or had a donut, I've really had to train myself not to feel guilty or beat myself about indulging, beat myself up about indulging in uh, something that my body wanted. 
you know, and to give into my cravings and be okay with it. So it's a lot of, um, you know, small tidbits that I've been able to apply in my life, how to sleep better, how to build a phone free sleep routine, which has been an incredible challenge for me. Okay. Because I'm always like checking our analytics or doing something or the other, but because we've uh, had experts who've taken us through how to do that, I've been able to employ those into my daily life as well. I like that phrase. Can you just describe what you do? Because I think that I, I honestly think this is key to so much of the unhappiness and, and sleep problems that people are experiencing is the phone and sleep. So what do you do? So I will put my phone on airplane mode a few hours before okay. bedtime. Yeah. And uh, all my close friends and family know that, that it will be on airplane mode and they do have an emergency backup number of uh, my mom or dad in case God forbid something happens and they need to reach out to me. Uh, I have these blue screen glasses that I wear, which my eye doctor put me on. I um, have essential oils that I've now incorporated into my routine that I will just spray or I will, you know, dab on my pillow. Okay. What are they like? Uh, they're actually this Indian Ayurvedic brand called Forest Essentials. And uh, they have two. One is a sleep uh, spray and one is a stress relief spray. So I mix them both up depending on um, what I feel like. And I will just spray it on my neck, my uh, wrists or and my pillow. And uh, I have um, my Amazon Echo, actually, which uh, has guided meditations and it has a calming playlist that I've set up. So I'll play that. I'll dim the lights. I'll do some breathing. I'll write in my journal a bit. It's all, but I want to say here that it's hard to do and it's hard to stick to it. And you have to incorporate it over time. Because if you just start doing it all at once and be like, okay, I can't stick to this. This is failing for me this is not working for me, you're going to get frustrated. So here I'd like to say, just start slowly by incorporating what works for you into your daily routine and then build it up. But wouldn't you say that that's the same for any change in your lifestyle? Like I think the reason a lot of people don't attempt change is it just seems overwhelming and they don't realize how slow, how, how slowly change happens. Like, yeah, if, you know, just the bedtime routine as an example, if you tried to do all those things at once, it would be like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> right? Yeah, but for me, I had someone tell me this. Someone needed to tell me. My therapist told me that you should not give up if you can't incorporate this every day into your life. Start slow and then build it up. Yeah. which I think she's also done for a lot of other, um, you know, well-being routines that I turn to as well. So I needed someone to sort of drill it in my head that slow and steady, and that's the way forward. So which is why uh, I know that worked for me. Otherwise, I would have been very frustrated and given up if I didn't get it right the first few times, I think. Yeah. So which is why I want to reiterate to others. It's almost like treating yourself like you would a little a little five-year-old because you wouldn't take a little five-year-old from the front of the television and put them in bed and, and then shut the door. Like you, you would, you have to wind them down. We're, we have to be wound down just like a, like a little kid. We got to do it to ourselves though. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really important to remember to speak to yourself kindly and how you would speak to a friend who is going through the same thing that you're going through in the moment that's very we often are our worst critics and we the self-talk uh that we do uh 
can have such an immense impact on us, whether you're talking to yourself in a negative manner, self-deprecating jokes, or uh, you know, speaking to yourself in a gentle, kind manner, it goes a long way in uh, taking you through what you're going through. I'm just blown away at girls your age because I learned this recently. So I feel like you, you're going to conquer the world because you, you, you've already learned that there's like a sort of a nasty person in there that you have to, you know, you can't let run rampant. And I think that's amazing. You, you, this is why like the generation of your age are just so much further ahead. <laughs> but it also helps that we have all the information we need at our fingertips, right? And there's a lot more conversation happening around these topics at, uh, you know, at all stages of our lives. Now, you all, inclusivity is another big uh, is another big topic for you. What, where, how do you? Where do you feel that we're at in the UAE? I've been here for thirteen years, so I've just seen tremendous change. But where? What sort of problems do you see, and what? Or not? You know, not problems, but where do, what do you think needs to be done in, in the conversation? I think more conversation. There needs to be more conversation in the three years that I've been back and in the two years I've been working on reset, I've seen a huge shift towards the positive in people's mindset in what's happening in schools. With COVID now, you have so many schools who are uh, having their accounts or speak to students about mental health challenges, or they have, um, you know, accommodations in place to ensure that stu students of determination have everything they need to be able to carry on with the academic year and to succeed. So I think there definitely needs to be more conversation. You can never have enough conversation about topics like mental health and inclusion because there will always be one person whose mind you can change. There will always be one life that uh, you can impact. We've seen the time I moved back to Dubai, that's when the KHDA was launching and implementing the inclusive uh, education policy framework. And just seeing schools step up and incorporate that and, you know, ensure that the stakeholders, whether that's parents, students, or even the government, everybody's on the same page to be able to give students of determination and uh, even people with invisible disabilities or with special learning needs, give them all the support that they need to be able to succeed, I think has been incredible. Okay, so that's real change. I mean, that's really yeah, absolutely real change. Yeah. Did you see a leap with the Special Olympics? Did you like that just seemed? Yes, I love the Special Olympics and it's an event very close to our heart here at Reset. The first event we ever covered as a publication was the Special Olympics. We spoke to Dr. Timothy Schreiber, who's been a huge supporter and champion um, at Reset. Every time we've needed his support or to speak to him, he's been available. We even did an Instagram Live this past summer with him about how COVID-19 is impacting children with special needs and how we can better support parents, teachers, and um, you know students as well when it comes to the pandemic and ensure that uh, students with special needs aren't even more socially isolated as uh, they have been. And the Special Olympics definitely does help you. They help foster such a huge sense of community. You know, if you were at the event, you saw everyone was dancing, having fun. People were just so supportive. It was an, like an incredible environment. And it was such a positive environment. And 
It was led by Tala Romahi, who is such a fabulous woman who supports other entrepreneurs. And um, she was the chief strategy officer for the Special Olympics, and she did an amazing job. And she was very supportive uh, to me as well, because I was just starting Reset, and she ensured that um, she held my hand uh, at the Special Olympics whenever I needed support. She was there to be able to guide uh, me and my team. So it was... I think that captured the spirit of the UAE. And just in the, I mean, just in the 12, 13 years I've been here, you would literally never see a person of determination. That phrase alone is magical, I think. It's, you know, it's in the UAE. It's, my friend was visiting, she's an educator from Toronto. She thought it was the most amazing thing she'd ever heard. She's just like, this is great. Like we should have this in Canada. But you just would never see a person of determination. You would never even see someone in a wheelchair when I moved here. You wouldn't, it would be like an unusual sight. And it fills my heart with joy now when I walk around and I see just like regular, you know, you see it more and more and it exploded after the Special Olympics. It was pretty cool. Yeah, even if you go into Emirates Towers or any of the other places, you'll see a sign saying people of determination, welcome here. And that's such a positive step because it makes people feel less alone. There are accommodations in place, there are facilities in place to ensure that everyone has equal rights and opportunities to be able to access uh, the facilities or whatever else, events, anything else that is going on in the city. So where would you like, I know you never rest, so your mind's always working, where would you like to take reset? Uh, where wouldn't I like to take reset is the question. Um, where would I like to take reset? Um, that's a tough question because we have a lot of plans underway. I think it's just to make people more aware of the resources we offer free of cost so that people can um, avail them. They're there for them. I think just having that awareness is key for us because ultimately our goal at Reset is to start conversation to help someone in their lives, whether it's a mental health challenge they're going through, whether it's something else, or whether they want some resources around inclusion, or if you're a parent, student, educator, we have all those resources available. If you want to speak about, uh, you know, the challenges women face, that's something we cover as well. So I I, I think it's just... uh, having more people aware about reset. And if you, if someone's listening and they are frustrated sort of at the level of discourse in their life, how would you tell them to go about trying to find more depth in their own conversations in their own social circles and family circles? Can you tell me like, what do you mean level of discourse as like, in, you in know, what a lot of surface, there's a lot of surface discussion and there, I know there's people out there that are frustrated that want to have deeper conversations. How, how would you advise them to go about that? If you're not used to having that in your life, it's, it's, it's difficult. I think it's finding more like-minded people. It's, you know, changing the mindset of your family or your parents or even your friends can be very tricky if you don't share the same views towards mental health or, you know, even the same political views it can be very hard. And we've seen that in the aftermath of the Black Lives Matter movement. We actually did a uh, Instagram post about how to talk to your parents about racism 
everyone was talking about how to talk to your child about racism, but we decided to flip it around because today's generation, as you said, is very aware. But that lack of knowledge or that lack of awareness still percolates among a lot of the older generation. So find the resources, perhaps, that you need if you do want to help uh, have a conversation with your family or you do want to, you know, put forward your point of view. We, look at the resources uh, about how to approach that topic of conversation. You have to do it in a moment when everyone is calm and tempers aren't, uh, you know, <laughs> aren't uh, hot. So that as well, but also find uh, people who share your outlook towards life. It's very important to see, to have a diverse group, but when you do need support, I think find people who have your outlook towards life, whether it is through support groups, whether it is through um, Reset or any of the other uh, resources out there. And you will see that there's a sense of community. Yeah. Curiosity. Other, I mean, it seems like curiosity is at the core of everything that you do. So find other curious people, I guess. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Akansha. I could talk to you. I could talk to you all day. You are uh, amazing. I want to have you on again the podcast to feel calm. But thank you. Of course. Thank you. Next time, I, I hope you don't have a cold. I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.